Good Sunday morning, everyone. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church this morning. I want to welcome you this morning and, and just uh, let you know that we are glad to have you worshiping with us. If you are here with us and you are a guest for the first time, we would love to get to know you a little better. And there are some pew cards in the pews in front of you. If you would uh, fill one of those out and drop it in the offering box, that would be greatly appreciated just so we could get to know you better. Um, quite a few announcements this week. Uh, well, first of all, happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Uh, I hope I hope we all have a good day. Um, as announcements, um, I put a bunch of uh, bunch of yard signs up here, and so as the week goes through, if anybody comes by and misses that we're having VBS next week, it's because they were texting while they were driving and they weren't watching where they were going. So um, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Bible school starts a week from tonight. Uh, six o'clock uh, so that means that it's going to be a little bit of a busy week um, I'm going to be doing some final stuff and Saturday at 9 30 uh, we are going to meet here at the church and we are going to transform uh, transform some of this place and we are going to get some of the classrooms and then Sunday after church, we're going to stay and we're going to work on the sanctuary and get it transformed. And this is going to be a new place. And I'm excited about that. Um, if, you, if I have not talked to you and you were still interested in helping at Bible school, uh, send me a message, shoot me an email, give me a call, uh, smack me in the back of the head when I walk by. That's what Artie typically does. So, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what Artie typically does. I will get them getting there. I will get, and uh, so um, there, like he said, there is a deacons meeting next Sunday. It would have been today typically, but we moved it because of Father's Day. Uh, deacons meeting at eight thirty in the morning, and a business meeting immediately following church. Don't forget about our uh, Wednesday night Bible studies, our adult Bible studies in here at six thirty. Our children and our youth programs are out in the building at six thirty as well. Um, and uh, one last thing I have, the children and youth, we are going to be going to Shield Museum on Friday. Cost to get in the museum is free. Uh, they have a program where it's free a couple days a month. Um, so I picked one of those days to go. We're going to leave the church at 1130 and we're going to go eat at McDonald's. So bring senior kids with the money to get a Happy Meal or whatever they want at McDonald's. We're going to stop at McDonald's beforehand. And then we're going to go to Shield Museum, and uh, what I'll do is if you bring your kids, I will send you guys a text when we leave Gastonia and head back this way, because I don't know exactly how long it takes us to go through the museum. Um, so I look forward to that. If you have any more questions about that, give me a call. At this point in time, I don't think I have any more announcements. Um, if you... Um, I just invite you to uh, put all these things, worries of the world beside you, and uh, let's focus our attention on God this morning. Good morning. Good morning. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, I have asked Joe to come and share a little bit about our jail ministry that we have. We've uh, after almost two years. We are finally able to get back into the uh, 
the jails here in Shelby to minister. Jackie's been um, over and, and ministered with the women. And Joe went last, not last Sunday, the, the Sunday before, um, to go and talk with men over at the annex. So I've asked him to come and share a little bit about his experience that Sunday to uh, and just ask you to pray for what's going on with this jail ministry. Come on, Joe. It has been two years. It was good to get back. Gordy, Gordy had asked me sort of how it went because since I've come here, Artie has never not gone with me. And so I'm used to having Artie there with me. And when I got over there, they asked me if, I, if Artie was there. And I said, no, he's got family coming in. So they said, well, it's been two years since you've been here, Joe. Said everybody found out you was coming. And they got a door that they passed their food through. And if you want to talk to somebody in church, they drop that door. That's a sign that they want to talk to somebody at church. So normally, Artie takes upstairs, and I take downstairs. We're limited for two hours from two to four. So when I went in there, there was two people who came. There's, there's two, two, two pods. And uh, they had never been before. They were nervous. So A pod and B pod was open up. And I told them, I'll take one pod and you take one pod. I said, I'm going to be by myself. And so already when I went in, to my surprise, nearly every door was dropped. And I said, oh, Lord, I've got two hours and most of the time, half the people are taking a Sunday afternoon nap. They don't want to talk to anybody, so they don't drop the door. So the first person I went to, I asked him what his relationship with Jesus was. He said, good, but I backslid, and I've got into my old habits, and look where I'm at. And I told him, I said, well, you, would you pray for me? I said, I'm here by myself, my pastor, my right arm here in the jail ministry is not here with me. I, I'm looking for a lost sheep. And I've only got two hours, and I'm looking at probably 80 to 100 people that I need to talk to in two hours. I said, would you pray for me that I find the lost sheep? I went to the next door, asked them their relationship. Every one of them said, it's good. I said, would you, would you pray for me? I'm looking for the lost sheep. And I had a word of prayer at every door about their situation. They asked to pray for their, their parents, asked to pray for their kids, asked me to pray about their situation. And I had a word of prayer. Then a loudspeaker came up, and the... the it was a new guard. He didn't know me. And said, Joe, you got five more minutes. And guess what? I had two more doors that I had not got to. So I said, well, I'm got, I got five minutes. So I went to the next or the last and asked the man, said, I asked him what his relationship. He said, 
not good, but be sure and talk to the last door. My time was up. I opened the door, talked to the guy. I said, what's your relationship with Jesus? And he said, I don't have one. I said, You've, I've been looking for you for two hours. And I've got about 80-something people praying that I get an opportunity to talk to you. And I said, but my time is up. Why, why don't you have a relationship with Jesus? And he said, I never thought it was worthwhile. I told him, I said, well, why do you not think it's worthwhile? He said, not after the kind of life I've lived. I don't, I don't think God would save me. I told him, I said, well, I said, the Bible says all have sinned and felt short of the glory of God. I said, you've got friends and neighbors and families never going to let you forget you've been in jail. Doesn't matter whether it's a little crime or a big crime. Doesn't really doesn't matter whether you're innocent or guilty. They're going to hold it against you. I said, the wonderful thing about God, God not only forgives, but God forgets. And if you'll confess it, he'll never bring it up. I said, I'm going to ask you a question. If I gave you a choice of leaving when I do and having all charges against you dropped and your record cleared, what would you do? Would you stay here and serve your time? He looked at me and said, that's a no-brainer. I'd go with you. Well, let me ask you another question. When you die, if you had a choice, would you live in a mansion and walk streets of gold and never die? Or live in torment for eternity? That's a no-brainer too, isn't it? I explained salvation to him. And he said the sinner's prayer. And he accepted Christ. <clears throat> and when the guard came to get me, he said, it's 10 after 4. And I'm the one that made the announcement that your time was up. And my supervisor said, you leave that man alone. He's doing the Lord's work. Let me ask you a question. What's your relationship with Jesus? Do you know him or do you know of 
him. There's a big difference in there. When you get to heaven, do me a favor. Go talk to that inmate and ask him if the 10 extra minutes that God gave him was worth it. Today is Father's Day. And we want to honor our fathers. Can you guys take it back to that Happy Father's Day slide, please, for a second? I want you guys to look at that verse. Proverbs 22, 6. Direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. That sometimes gets misinterpreted. One of the jobs of a father is making sure that their children are doing right that they are heading in the right direction, that they're being taught the right things. Fathers, this past week I've been doing a lot of reading. I've been watching a lot of uh, documentaries. In fact, I watched one last night, and I was very disturbed by some of the things I saw. And yesterday, some things were posted on Facebook from a friend that claims to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They were posting and glorifying the drag queen reading days. where libraries were hosting a day for drag queens to come in and read books to children. And it was being touted as one of the greatest things that has ever happened. Dads, we're in a battle for our children. Satan's doing everything he can do to steal them away from us. And so the gift that we have as a church today is to remind you that you are to guide your children and you're to shine a light on truth. And when I say truth, I'm talking about the truth that is found in, in Scripture. Teach them that there is ultimate truth. And truth makes people very uncomfortable. But we have an LED pen light for you to keep in your pocket. It's got a clip on it and everything. The only thing this light does not have right now is a battery. But it is to remind you to help show the way to your children. 
regardless of their age, we never stop being dads. So I'm going to ask you, if you're here today and you are a father, if you would please stand and remain standing, and I've asked some of our youth if they would come and hand out these lights to all the dads, so regardless of where you are, and there's two guys upstairs, stand up and remain standing, because when we open our prayer today, we're going to pray for fathers. We're going to pray that God strengthens you, that God enables you to be the man that shines a light into the darkness and directs your children. Stay standing up, guys. Yes, yeah, stay standing up. And don't forget Doug up here. And I want to say thank you from one father to the, to the rest of you. Thank you for having your children here, for, for, for being willing to take a stand for your families. Now, as we begin our time together, fathers, please remain standing because we're going to say a, pre a special prayer over you this, this day because I know some of you, some of you are in spiritual battle right now. And as we join together as a church family, we want to lift you to the throne of grace and ask God to fill you with a special dose of the Holy Spirit to help you fight those battles. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, gathered together as your people. First off, dear Lord, we are here to worship you this morning. We are here to honor you this morning, and we are here to come into your presence so that we may hear your word. That is our first and foremost reason for being here, dear Lord. But we also want to take this time to, to honor our fathers. And dear Lord, we want to pray for them. You did not create us to, to do anything else. You created us as men in your image that we will be filled and protect our families, to provide for our families, to lead our families. You made us different than, than moms. We can't fill the role of a mom, nor can a mom fill the role as a father. But dear Lord, we live in a society today where fatherhood has been undermined, that masculinity has been undermined, that fathers are absent, that we're made out to be bumbling idiots on TV and in movies. That we are not looked at in the same light as, as fathers used to be looked at. Dear Lord, I ask you right now that you fill these men that are standing, those that are watching online, you fill them with your spirit. 
that you give them the courage to take a stand. You give them the faith and the commitment to fight for their families and their children. So Lord, I ask you that you fill them with the Word of God that they will be able to guide their children and lay out a path before them that leads to righteousness. Dear Lord, I thank you for them being here today. And as we come, dear Lord, I ask that, that you fill this place with your presence. That when we leave here today, that we will know that we've been in the presence of God. And that when people see us, they will know that we have been in the presence of God by the countenance on our faces. The Lord, I ask you to bless everyone that is here, that you speak to us today, and may your gospel be glorified and be taught, dear Lord. And if there is a lost soul here, someone that does not know you, dear Lord, that they will see it as a no-brainer, just like the inmate did in the jail. That they will pray to accept you today and will not leave this place without coming to know you as their Savior. May your name be glorified. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Good morning. I, uh, Sandra, she called me and she sounded rough when she was talking to me. She asked me if I would be uh, try to lead the music this morning. Now, I'm starting out a little bit ugly right here because I don't know how many verses we're singing of this first song. So we'll watch the screens and we'll get to where we're going to be. But the name of the song is Take the Name of Jesus With You. Anywhere you go in this life and this travel right here, he is in the spirit in our heart. Now, we always take him with us, but we don't never show him sometimes. So this song is about actually displaying him in our lives and how we lead and how we present ourselves. So please stand and join us in singing hymn number 576. Thank you. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will join and comfort you. Take it wherever you go.
Can I get the kids to come forward this morning? All right, as you come up, I've got to pick six of you, and I'm going to give you something, and I want you to hold it down. Come stand up. I'm going to pick six of you. To, you come. Hey, Avery, come stand right here. All right, take this, hold this down like this, and when I call you, when I point to you, I want you to hold it high above your head, just straight up like this, okay? All right, you got me? All right, uh, t uh, Thomas, come here. Come here, buddy. Huh. Grave digger, come here, buddy. And hold this down just like this, okay? All right. Hey, come here for a minute. Come here. Can you hold this down just like this? Come here. Can you hold this down? Turn around and hold this down just like this, okay? Peyton, turn. Look. Like this. Peyton, come here. I know. I. It is. Come here. Okay. Easy, come here. Hold this down, just like this. All right. Uh, Daddy, come here. Hold this down, just like this. All right, so we're going to play a game this morning. We're going to talk about a very special someone, and we're going we're to flip over letters, and we're going to see if we can guess who this is. All right, so first thing I want, as I want you, young lady, I want you to hold your letter straight up high above your head. F, and I'm going to tell you what F stands for, and we're going to see if we can figure out what it is, okay? It is forgiving. Even when we disobey or do something wrong, this person is willing to forgive us. All right, Thomas, hold yours straight up like this. Like this, straight up. A. A is for attentive. When we need someone to talk to, this person is willing to, to, to listen to what we have to say. Unless we've been working outside and it's been 100 degrees all day. So, <laughs> all right, so you put it here. I want you to take yours, hold it up like this. T. T is for teacher. This person gives us the most important lessons of our life. He teaches us right from wrong. He teaches us, how, by example, how to love one another. All right, hold yours straight up. Straight up above your head. H. H is for helpful. This person helps us to make the important decisions we face each day. He may offer advice or he may be a good listener, but he's always there to help us. Isabel. Hold yours up. Okay. E. E is for energetic. No. <laughs> This is debatable. All right. No matter how tired he is, this person always seems to find the time and energy to do things with us and for us. And the last one, straight up, turn it around, straight up. There we go. R. R is for ready. This person is always ready to reach out and love to us. He's ready to do whatever we needed. All right. So who is this person? Father, that's right. And today is Father's Day, right? Now, fathers are very important. And whether sometimes we lose our patience and sometimes we have bad days, most of the days I can say that we try to have these qualities and these traits, but God gave us fathers 
And we're going to talk about how important our fathers are when we go out to children's church. But I want to share a verse with you guys. And then I'm going to pray and I'm going to have you guys sit on the front row. So listen to this. This is Luke, actually it's a couple verses, starting 11, 11. And this is a parable about fatherhood. It says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And so we're going to talk about our Father and the importance of our Heavenly Father. But right now, I want all you guys to look this way and scream Happy Father's Day as loud as you can. All right. All right. All right. Here, let me have these, and you guys go sit right here, okay? Well, let's pray. Well, let's pray real quick, guys, and then you guys go sit in. We're going to pray for our fathers. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for one of the most amazing gifts in the world, our Father. And thank you for being our Father in heaven who loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for our sins. All this we ask in your name. Amen. All right, you can either go sit here or you can go sit back with your parents, whichever one you want to do. You can tell me later. You can tell me later. <laughs> Good morning. I'll speak first so I can test where it's at. We, uh, Sandra asked me about singing also for a solo, and I haven't done one here in a while other than singing with the choir. So it's... Uh, it's an adventure for me too, and I really I trust that things will be like they should be, because even if is the song I'm going to do, and it's by Mercy Me, and I love it. I think it's a, it's a story about faith and and belief, really, because hey, even if you don't see the the blessings or the gift right then of what you think it's going to be or what you would hope that it be, He does love us and He looks after us and He gives it to us in our time when we need it. So this morning, and hope you enjoy this song. It's called "Even If." Thank you. They say sometimes <laughs> I'm lost. I couldn't tell where it started. I'm sorry. But right now, oh, right now, I just can't. It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down. What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? Save through the fire with your mighty hand But even if you don't My hope is you alone 
They say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing a little faith is all I have right now. God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh, give me the strength to be able to sing. It is well with my soul. I know you're able, and I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand. And even if you don't. My hope is you alone. I know the sorrow and I know the hurt. I'll go away if you just say the word. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. You've been faithful. You've been good all of my days. Jesus, I will cling to you. Come what may, 'cause I know you're able. I know you can. I know you're able. I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't. My hope is you alone. I know the sorrow, I know the hurt would all go away if you'd just say a word. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. My hope. Thank you, Doug. Gentlemen and ladies, we were talking before service, and Dan reminded me of a video, and I've seen the same video. The difference between a Mother's Day sermon and a Father's Day sermon. Mother's Day sermons are usually very compassionate and loving, and Father's Day sermons are brimfire 
and hailstone-type sermons. And I agree with that 100%. Because I will never understand what it's like to be a mother. But I know how I feel about my mother. And I know how I feel about my wife and her role in the lives of my children. And moms are soft and loving. And dads are calloused and hard. I remember as a child, as, or a teenager actually, not as a child, but a teenager, if I did something boneheaded, which I did a lot of, and I knew how my dad would react to that, I would go to my mother first and let her go to my dad to cushion the blow. And I am sure that my children do a lot of the same thing because my wife will come and say, hey, I need to talk to you about something. And it's usually because one of my children have done something boneheaded or broke something. Which happens a lot, especially when you have a 14-year-old that is a giant. It, it, it tends to happen. Um, but today, I'm going to be preaching to myself as well as the other fathers but I want to look at our key verse, and the reason this is our key verse, and I'll explain it as we get along, but uh, you read these key verses, you go, well, that doesn't have anything to do with our sermon, or the sermon title, Five Things a Christian Father Must Do. Well, it does. This is our jumping point. So if you turn to Psalms chapter 127, Psalm 127, verses 3 and 5, and if you will stand and honor of the reading of God's Word as I read this passage to you. If you don't have your Bibles, it will be on the screen. And this is what the psalmist writes. He says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you. Thank you for Christian fathers. Thank you for, for what we see written in your word about children. Speak to us today and speak through me so we will understand the importance of Christian fathers. We ask all of this in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. So the first thing I want to point out out of this key verse is that there's four key points that the psalmist makes about being a father. Okay? The first point is that children are a gift of God. Or a gift from the Lord. Look at what it says in the first part of verse 3. Behold, children are the gift of the Lord. I mean, it says it. Is there any other interpretation that can be made for what it says there? I mean, that's black and white, right? Children are a gift of the Lord. We live in a society today where that's not seen. That children are not looked at 
as a gift from the Lord. That fathers are absent from families. In fact, I know personally of one case where this husband and wife, they could not have children of their own. So they were trying to adopt this little boy that they had, they had been had in foster care. The boy's biological dad, because he wasn't a father, was in and out of jail, had no role in the child's life. In fact, had had several children by several different women, and all he was was a DNA donor. When they went to court to adopt, this man blocked the adoption. So they had to, to, to actually go through a court case to be able to adopt this child. And when the lawyers talked to this man, they said, so you want to take parental responsibility for this child? He says, oh no, I don't care about the kid. I just don't want those people to have him. He did not look at that child as a gift from the Lord. That's a problem we have in society today. And we as dads must look at the children we have as being gifts from the Lord. They have been given to us. They do not belong to us. They belong to God. But He has gifted them to us for a short amount of time so that we can raise, that we can love, that we can cherish. But they are gifts from the Lord. And then the second point that he makes is that children are a, are a reward. Again, look at what it says in the second part of verse 3. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Again, how can you misinterpret that? How can it mean anything else than what it says? We and, and myself included, there's times that I look at my children and I thought, you know, when you have kids and you're first starting out, you don't know what to do with this little bundle of poop and spit up. You have no clue what to do. And for dads, it's even harder. Because we, when we find out that we're going to be a father, we're excited but we don't spend nine months having that infant grow within us. Moms spend nine months falling in love with this life that is growing inside of them. So when that baby is born, there's an immediate attachment with the mother. That baby knows the sound of its mother's voice. They, they, they know about their mom. They get their nourishment from their mother and have for nine months. Dad, he's sitting there just going, what in the world have I got myself into? That was the difficult thing when Trey was born. When he started crying, he didn't want daddy. Who did he want? He wanted mama. Mama had what he needed and that he wanted. 
Dads have to build that relationship. Yes, we love our children. And when they're born, we're excited and we love them. But that we don't have that bond that mothers have with them. And we have to grow with them. And, and, and we think that, that as, a chi- as they're babies, it is the most difficult time in the little year and the, of our lives. And then they become teenagers and we're like, oh man, I wish they were little again. Because it was so much easier when they were little. And then they become adults. And you sit back and have to watch And you realize, hey, I've raised somebody that acts just like me. How in the world did I make such a big mistake? And we forget that these children are our rewards. They are a gift. And we are being rewarded by having children. And we have to remember that. And then the third point that he makes here is that children are to be sent out like arrows. Look at verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Dads, you realize that we are crafting arrows. Just like any other weapon, arrows can be used for good and bad. It depends on how they're aimed. You know, I've got an old compound bow, and when I say old, I'm, I'm talking old. They don't even make this bow anymore and make parts for it. But one thing I've got is I've got arrows, and I've got tools and jigs to help me make sure that those arrows are straight. Sometimes when you're practice shooting and you're making sure everything is straight, every once in a while, you'll rip off a fletching, the feathers. And if you don't have those on right, the arrow doesn't fly right. So I've got the equipment to replace those and make sure everything is straight. As a father, that's what we have to do. We have to make sure that, that these arrows, that everything is okay with them, that they, are, that they are going to fly straight. That they are going to be aimed in the right direction and they're going to be shot out to accomplish what they were meant for. And then the fourth and final point that the psalmist makes in these verses is the man that has children is blessed. First part of verse 5, how blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now, they can debate, or you can talk about what it takes to have a a full quiver. Some people say it's five, some six, some seven. But what I'm saying is this, that any man that has an arrow in his quiver is blessed. Doesn't matter if you only have one child. Doesn't matter if you have eight children. Doesn't matter if your name is Duggar and you have 18 or 19. Anybody that has children is blessed. And we have to remember that. And that is where we're jumping off. Is to re- we have to remember this about our children. 
These things, that they are a gift from the Lord. They are our, our reward, that they're like arrows that we send out into this world, and that we are blessed because we have children. We have to remember those. Those four things as we get into this. The five things that a Christian father must do. The first is Christian fathers must train and discipline our children. And you're going to notice the, the, the change in pronouns because I'm preaching to myself. Is we must train and discipline our children. Proverbs 22.6 Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And then Proverbs 3.11-12 My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For who the Lord loves, He reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom He delights. Dads, we are to train our children. We are to set the example and teach them. One thing that I have done with all my daughters is I have, I have made sure that they know how to do certain things. And there's probably things that a lot of daughters don't get taught by their fathers. But I teach them, and I've made sure they understand how to change or check their oil in their vehicle. I have had them all help me in changing tires. They know how to jack a car up, how to change the tire. They don't like it, but they know how to do it. Those are certain life skills that I've had to teach my children. I want them to know how to do that. But the one thing that I struggle with, and I think all dads struggle with, it's teaching them what the Word of the Lord says. Teaching them. Because we're in a, a, a battle with all of society. And they get to a point as teenagers where what their friends and society and all the popular people say is more important than what they hear me say or hear from home. And they get tired of listening to Dad. But one thing I've discovered, as the older they get, they realize, and I, because I, this is the same way, I, I remember thinking my dad was as dumb as rocks. That he had no grasp on reality. That he didn't understand the real world. And now I've got children that look at me that same way. But I don't know when it happened. And I honestly don't know how it happened. But I remember my dad going from the, the dumbest man in the planet to being a, a genius. And it's almost like it happened overnight. I don't know, remember when it happened. But I remember that I started calling my dad saying, Dad, what do I do? How do I do this? I wish I'd have listened more when, you, when I was younger to what you were trying to teach me. And you know, the same thing is happening now with my own children. I've been told, you know, what you were telling me back then, I didn't want to listen, I wish I would have listened to you're right when you were telling me this. I understand that you were trying to help us and protect us and prepare us for what was coming next. Even though I didn't want to listen. Some of my children are getting to that point. But that's our job as parents. 
as fathers is that we have to protect and we have to discipline. Now, now, I'm not talking about welling the snot out of your kids, even though sometimes they may need it. I'm talk, when, when it's talking about the discipline here, it's talking about guiding, correcting. You know, Proverbs says, spare the rod and spoil the child. But then you go to Psalmist, and the Psalm, Psalmist says, in, in Psalm 23, he says, your rod and staff, they what? Comfort me. We discipline because we love our children. We guide them. If we didn't care about them, we'd let them do whatever they wanted to do. But a Christian father must train and discipline his children. Second thing that a Christian father must do is Christian fathers must provide for our family. God created us to provide. That is what He has created us to be. He's created us to protect. He has created us as men to provide. We have that inner drive that that's what we want to do. And this, this providing is, is, this is a big thing. And a lot of times when men are dealing with depression or men are dealing with issues, it's because they feel like they can't provide for their family. They can't provide in the way they want to. But I want to tell you this. Sometimes, just being with your family, you are providing for them. Listen, if, if, if prices keep going the way that they're going, and gas prices and everything else keep going up like it's going to go up, we're going to get to a point that none of us can provide for our families the way we want to provide for them. And so we're going to have to do the best that we can by just being with our families and doing what we can. But 1 Timothy 5.8 But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those in his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. God created us to be providers. Men. There is nothing that we can do to change that. And Paul tells Timothy that, listen, if you have somebody that's not providing for his own family, then he's is just as bad as an unbeliever because he's not taking God at His word. And then Christian fathers must strive to follow the example of God the Father. Psalm 103, 13. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. We as Christian fathers, many times, we are the living embodiment of, of your child's picture of God the Father. 
In fact, a lot of times, people that have had bad experiences with their father, the father was not there, the father was, was abusive, the father was untrustworthy. Those same people have difficulties in fully embracing God the Father. Trusting God the Father. Because they, their experience with the Father is not good. So we as Christian fathers, we must strive. We must do everything that we can do to be the example that God needs us to be. He has created us in His image. He has called us to be fathers. And just as He has forgiveness and compassion, but He is also a jealous God. And He will tell us that the Bible is full of if-then statements. There are promises and conditions to everything. A lot of times we want to focus on what God says will happen. If He'll say, you know, like, honor your father and mother, so what? Your days may be long upon the earth. We want to focus on that your days may be long upon the earth. But it's conditional. Your days won't be long upon the earth unless you honor your father and mother. You understand what I'm saying? God will discipline. God will stay according to His character. He will not compromise. That is one characteristic that, that God does not have is He is not a compromiser. If He says it, that's it. It's His way or no way. We have to be the example of the Lord. We have to be able to offer forgiveness while still holding accountable. We have to discipline when needed to direct and guide. And we definitely have to love unconditionally. And then, the fourth thing. Christian fathers must never give up on our children or our families. Listen, I'm telling you, Sometimes it gets hard and you just want to throw your hands up and say, I give up. And just walk away. And we live in a society that that's okay. If we get to a point that, we, that we've had enough, we can just walk away. Commitment doesn't mean anything anymore. And people walk away all the time. But a Christian father must stick it out. Even in the toughest of circumstances, we can never give up. It may get to the point where all we can do is pray. But we have to pray for it with everything that we've got. It may get to where you're holding on just by your fingernails, holding things together. but we have to trust God and we can never give up. 
And I don't know if I've shared this before, but we actually had one of our children one time tell us that they would rather live in foster care than live with us. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I remember walking out of the snack shop, going to my car and tears running down my face as I thought about that and what was said to us, basically told that we were hated. And how much I love this child. And how hurtful they were being. And this is one of those times that God spoke to me and I heard His voice louder than anything. And what He said was, now you know how I feel. That the ones I love more than anything are spitting on me, rejecting me, because all I want is the best for them. And I offered myself, and, 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 and it clicked with me right then. That nothing could make me stop loving my child. That nothing could make me give up on them. Because we treat God just like that every day. Even the ones of us that are called by His name, we still treat Him that way. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 15, verses 20 and 24. Jesus shares the, the, the story of the prodigal son. And He says that as the son came back after spending his inheritance and being gone, it says, So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to, the, to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his right hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. That same child that told us that she hated us and would rather live in a foster home than live with us does not feel that same way anymore. Just like the prodigal son came around and realized that everything that had been done had been done because we loved them. Fathers, one thing we have to realize is our children are not perfect. How do I know that? You may think that you've got little angels, but you don't. How do I know that? Because you raised them. And you're no angel. You're not perfect. I remember telling Leanne one time, picking at her, and she's, she's always been quick-witted. I remember telling her that she was the spawn of Satan, joking with her one day. 
And her response back to me made me speechless. I couldn't say anything in response to it. She said, well, I guess that makes you the devil then, don't it? And I just like, okay. <laughs> because that's the truth. Not that I'm the devil. I'm not, I'm not the devil. Okay. But what she was saying is if what I am is because of you. They're not perfect because we're not perfect. They're going to make mistakes because we make mistakes. They need Jesus because we need Jesus. But we can't give up on them. We have to fight for them. We have to fight until we have nothing else to fight. And then we turn it over to God and let Him fight. Actually, we should be turning them over to God from the very beginning and let Him fight while we're fighting. But when we get tired and can't fight no more, guess what? God's still going. God doesn't tire. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't stop. And then the fifth thing. Christian fathers must pray for our family. 1 Chronicles 29.19 This is a prayer that King David was praying and give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies and your statutes and do them all and to build the temple for which I have made provision. See, King David, God told him that he wasn't going to allow him to build the temple because he was a, a, a king of war. So he's praying for Solomon. That God would use him, that God would keep him, that he would be faithful, that Solomon would be faithful to God. And that God would allow him to build the temple. <laughs> Jonathan asked me one day when he, after he had been in the Navy for a while and um, he, he started getting pay raises because of his rank and his responsibilities were changing and, and he started getting pay raises and, and they've been told because of his position in the Navy that once they get out that they're almost guaranteed a job in the civilian world because of what he's trained to do. And he said, Dad... He says, how does it make you feel knowing that your 20-year-old son's making more money than you? And my response to him was immediate. I said, proud. There is no father alive that does not want their children to do better than they did. That's what David's praying here for his son. That he would go beyond what David was able to do. Dads, we need to pray for our children. We need to pray that, that they will be faithful. That, they, that God would protect them and use them in a way that far surpasses what we were able to do. We want the best for our children. We want them to go past where we are. We want them to have it easier. We want them to have it better. But above all, we want God to use them. And we don't want them doing things that's going to damage their ability to, to be used by God. 
But that's the great thing about God, you know. No matter what we do, God can take broken things and put it back together and use it for more than, he's ever, than we ever thought possible. But we have to pray for our children. We have to pray for their protection. We have to pray for their faith. We have to pray for their commitment. And not just pray and sit back and wait. We have to pray and be actively involved in what's going on in their lives. But we have to turn them over to God. Christian fathers. Today, Father's Day, I challenge each of you to stand up. Be the man that God created you to be. Be the father that He has called you to be. Fight for your children. Listen, we may not be in a physical battle yet for our children, but we definitely in a spiritual battle for our children. Satan is coming after them with everything that he's got. And he's not holding anything back. I watched a documentary last night. And one of the questions that the, the, the person doing the documentary asked was, well, what is truth? And people got offended at him. By asking what is truth, they said that was hate language. He looked at them and said, truth is hateful? That's the world we live in. Because truth exposes lies. It exposes wrongdoing. It exposes sin. And when we come, and light is... Ca you walk into a house and you flip on a light and the house is full of dirt and nasty stuff and you flip on that light, what takes off running? Roaches, rats, mice, everything. Why? Because they strive in darkness. The things that you don't want in your house are out when it's dark. And when you flip on the light, exposing all of that, they take off running and hiding. Truth is that light. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Me. And when we talk about truth, people get uncomfortable because it challenges them and it makes them face up to how far away from God's standards they are. Fathers, we have to uphold light, truth. We have to shine a light in those dark places to protect our children and to drive all of those things that come out in the darkness away from our family. And it starts with prayer. but we have to be actively involved. We must train our children. We must discipline our children. We must provide for them. We must be the example to them. And we must fight for them. And never, ever give up. 
So church, now is your time to respond. If you need to come and pray, come and pray. If you want to talk to somebody, if, if you've got to go across the aisle and talk to somebody, do it. If you want to join and be part of this family of worshipers, now is the time to do that. And above all, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, please don't leave this place without getting that taken care of right now. Come up here. Ask me. I would be more than happy to, to tell you how to accept Christ. How to let Him change your life. Don't leave here today without doing whatever it is God's telling you it's time to do. As we sing this song of invitation, this is your opportunity to do what God is calling you to do. Okay, hymn number 283, Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated. Please stand. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love. Lord, I give my life to Thee. Today, we have Donna McLaughlin and her son, Corey. Come on up here, guys. Corey Achenbaugh, they are coming, uh, professing their faith in Jesus Christ, and they are coming as candidates for baptism, wanting to join our fellowship of believers here at Crestview Baptist Church. So if you're excited about that, let me hear a hearty amen. Amen. And... Uh, Ginger, if you could go with Corey and, and Donna out to the front, and then I'll join you guys out there. But as we dismiss today, come by and welcome Corey and Donna into our fellowship. And, and as they would say in old school churches, giving them the right hand of Christian fellowship. You guys remember them saying that? So uh, I'm excited about that. Go ahead. I, uh, I went and talked to... Uh, Donna and Corey, they've been telling me for a while, back before pre-pandemic, 
that they wanted to talk to me about joining the church. So we were finally able to get up a time where I was able to go over and talk to them. Um, did that this past Saturday. And um, they, they are excited about coming and being part of this church. So uh, we're grateful for that. That God is still moving. Fathers, thank you. And I'm going to tell you this. Being a transplant to Cleveland County, even though that we've been here for almost, well, over 18 years now in Cleveland County, we don't have family around. And I talk to my brothers about this a lot. The fact that we are away from our family, we don't have that family influence and the influence of my brothers and my, my dad on my children. But you dads, you Christian men, many of you have had influence and part in helping us raise our children. And I want to thank you for that. We're in this together. And we are a church family, which means we take responsibility for the children within our care. Even those whose families are here. We still take responsibility and we still have an obligation as brothers and sisters in Christ to disciple and raise up those that come. So thank you for being here. Don't forget that Wednesday night, our Bible study at 6.30. And here in the sanctuary, we're going to be uh, finishing up with Acts within the next couple of weeks. Now, please understand this. This Wednesday, we will have Bible study. The following Wednesday will be the last night of VBS. We will not have regular Bible study, but I want to encourage you to do this. Still come. Still come. Take part in supporting VBS that night. Come and join in with the celebration, the fellowship, Come be part of what's going on here. Even though we're not having regular Bible study, still come on the 26th or the 30th. Okay? Not sure. I, I can't say if they're planning on a work day this next week because of the temperatures, and it seems like we're always having evening thunderstorms. So uh, there will be a call going out letting you know what's going to be going on this Thursday. But thank you for being here. Dads, enjoy your day. Children and, and moms, treat your dad nice today. Be nice to him. Yes, ma'am. Lisa's asked us to say a, pre a special prayer for her Aunt Susie. Uh, she's been on our prayer list off and on for a while. The, the cancer that she has has now moved to her brain. So uh, pray for that. And Jim, as you dismiss us, can you say a special prayer um, for, for Susie during that, time, or during that time of prayer? Thank you guys for being here. Don't forget when you leave this place, you're going out and you've been in church today. 
Be a witness when you leave this place. Thank you for being here. And Jim, if you would dismiss us and, and say a, a special prayer for, for Lisa's Aunt Susie. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we lift up Lisa's Aunt Susie. I know that cancer is a devastating thing. It's been devastating in my life. I just pray that you give her healing. We know you're the great physician, Lord, and uh, you're always with us. But we just pray that you'd, you'd touch her and glorify your name in, in the healing. Lord, we, we thank you for the commitment that Donna and Corey have made to come and be a part of this congregation, to follow you and to come in baptism. And Lord, help us to keep focused upon our responsibility to disciple new believers, to, to help everyone grow together to be more like you, Lord. But thank you for the word we've heard this morning, and, and I just ask for help in us men meeting the challenge that we've heard to help us be genuine, heartfelt, loving, godly human fathers, showing the love of Christ to our kids and all those that we encounter. As we depart, Lord, I pray for opportunities for discipleship. I pray for the power to help us be the light in this fallen world, not to compromise the truth and yet deliver the message of the gospel with love. Thank you for all you do for us, Lord. Amen.